I've got several I want to share with you, announcements about Sunday, um, and I need your help. Uh, this Sunday is going to be a great day. I'm excited about what God has in store for us. We've been praying, and I hope you've been praying with us about God blessing this Sunday. We've got Brother Hall Barnes is going to be with us. I encourage you to pray, if you would, for him, for his health. I've spoken to him a couple of times in the last week. He is fighting a cold right now, like a lot of people are. So if you'd pray for him. He says he doesn't have that communist uh, uh, bug, though. He doesn't have the COVID, that communist COVID, I think is what he called it. Um, he's always fun to talk to, I'll tell you what. I'm looking forward to his preaching this Sunday, and, and I would just encourage you to be in prayer and, and uh, make sure you're here. Invite folks to come. And after the service, we're going to actually 10 o'clock, we're going to invite you, everyone be here at 10 o'clock. Um, we're going to be meeting in here, and unless the real small grades will not be, but everybody else will be meeting in here. And, um, and then also another announcement, Sunday morning, if you're going to be singing with us and leading uh, the music on the stage, I need you to be here at 9 o'clock if you would. If you can't, make sure you get with me, let me know. And uh, but we're planning on trying to get things done early. We've got a lot going on, so we want to get the sound checks out of the way. So at 9 o'clock, um, if you would make sure that you're here, that'd be great. And then um, also, we need some help. After the service on Sunday... And let me just say this, during the service, during any service that we're having, we don't want to be doing any work inside the kitchen, we don't want to be doing any prep, all of that's going to be done either prior to the services starting, and I know there's some ladies getting together this Friday that are going to be working on that, um, and, and, and the decorations, getting it all uh, pre-made inside these side rooms, getting everything ready to go. And then after the service on Sunday, um, I need some help. Um, I need some folks to be willing to help us out in uh, helping with setting up. And uh, so I need, I need about eight guys who would be willing to help to tear down what we have here and set our tables up. And uh, Brother Eric Lindenall is going to be in charge of that. And so we, we need just to get it done as quick as possible. Here's my goal. I want to make sure that, that we're done within a half an hour. And so let me just give you kind of the flow of events, and then I'll get some help if I could. On Sunday, what we're going to do is after the service is over, we're going to invite folks to, to make their way over to the old auditorium. And we're going to have some cheese and crackers, some, uh, some, I think some water, some things over there to drink. And while they're headed that way, um, we're going to be making sure that they get one of the forms. There's going to be some forms that they'll be filling out. That form is for them to be able to get their picture taken. And so um, everybody that goes that way, um, we, we want them to stay over there. But while we're setting this up, they're going to be having their pictures taken, going through the line over there, um, time of fellowship. And so I want to have, obviously, not every one of us in this room. We want to be over there with people. We want to get pictures being taken. And so I'm trying to streamline it as best as I can. And so I need eight people. And we are going to be doing not just individual portraits, but family portraits as well. So if you'd like to get your family portrait, um, that's something you'll be able to do this Sunday. And so kind of look at that. We're going to try to get through as quick as we can to talk with Heather. And she told me the time frame. She's going to move very quickly through. So be ready to go when you get over there. Fill out that form. Um, and stay over in that section there. Uh, fellowshipping with our visitors and with each other, enjoying the time, um, getting pictures taken, um, unless you're one of our helpers here. And our helpers that are in here, I'm asking that you stay in here, get all the work done, and what's going to happen is before we're dismissed and people are headed that way and we go for the, the cheese and crackers and setting up in here, we will have a closing word of prayer and a prayer for the food. Because of the way we're doing pictures, you're going to have people in different places at different times, and so it's a little bit different type of situation. So we're going to pray at that moment. The food will be prayed for about a half an hour after um, that we've been dismissed, everything's been set up. I, I will be over there, I'll let people know, make sure they get their pictures taken, and then I'll, somebody will come let me know, Brother Bill, come let me know, Catherine, if you want to let Brother Bill know that, um, that it's time for people to come back in. And then we'll start sending people over that have had their pictures taken um, to come and to eat and they'll come in. At that point in time, I'm asking for helpers, if you would, to go get your pictures taken at that time. So wait with your family. Go get your pictures taken after people begin to eat, and we'll move it as quick as you can. Or you can wait till after you eat. Um, and so, but if you wait to that time, don't, don't try to do it. Um, uh, you can't get it done during the services, and while we're trying to set up, it will be very difficult because there'll be everybody be getting pictures taken over there. So let me get some help. If I could get some eight, eight gentlemen to start with, be willing to help set up uh, the tables and chairs in here on Sunday. Brother JB, thank you. All right. Thank you, Tim. All right, Eric. Um, I see you, Jason. Brian. All right. Thank you. Pastor Parker. Thank you, Colin. All right. I see Isaiah's hand. All right, we got it. All right, and then I need some ladies. I'm going to need six ladies to help with um, basically getting the food out. Food that's coming in on Sunday morning 
If you're bringing food in, you're, um, Catherine, could you, could you just say a word about where to put the food when they come in Sunday morning? Okay, that sounds great. So Catherine will be in charge of that. And so there's going to be uh, prepping the food over here. If you need it to be hot, to stay hot, um, um, you can put it inside a crock pot or you can, I think we have some broilers here too, some ability to put that in there. Um, and then the cold things that need to stay cold will be in the refrigerator that will be brought out at that time as well. So we've got a half an hour to be able to do that, get everything set up. And so I've, I've got, so far, I've got Catherine, I've got Lois. I need one, two, three, four more ladies that would be helping with that. You'd be willing. Thank you. Elena, Lacey, Linda, um, Nikki. All right, we got that. All right, then I need a lady that would be willing to help out in the, with the cheese and crackers over there, making sure everything is just looking beautiful, kind of standing there, making sure that everything looks good. Thank you. I appreciate that. Rebecca. All right, so we have that those people um, taken care of. And um, all right. Another thing I need to mention real quick, um, if you signed up to bring cheese and uh, uh, summer sausage and crackers and didn't bring them tonight, uh, please make sure that you bring them before 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. The cheese and sausage needs to be sliced and sealed in Ziploc bags. So if you signed up for that and you, um, we sent out a message today to invite you to bring that tonight. If you did not do that, please make sure that you bring it on sun before Sunday morning, 10 o'clock, all cut up and inside Ziploc bags. All right, anybody have any questions or comments, something I missed? Make sure we got everything covered. We're just trying to make sure everything goes as smooth as possible on Sunday. Anybody? Any questions? All right, sounds good. So if you did not volunteer, I'm asking for you to get over there. Let's, in, let's be around the, the visitors that will be here. I'm praying that we're going to see a lot of visitors here on Sunday. And I want them to know um, that we are a place that is filled with God's love and that we would encourage them and just be there and get to know them. I would encourage, let me say this also, if there are visitors that are there, we don't want to like overwhelm them, but we do want to make sure we're talking to them. So when you get over there, kind of just be concerned about who you're talking to. If you get over there and you talk to the same person the entire time, that's your best friend, you're missing an opportunity. So just think about that when we're over there and encouraging people by being there. If you're over there also, make sure you try to get your pictures taken if you can. If there's part of your family that can't, um, then, then wait till after the food is starting to be served. All right, I think that's all of the announcements that I had uh, for Sunday, um, other than we'll talk about later about this really need to be in prayer. Let's go ahead and get our Bibles tonight. Turn to Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16. It's encouraging to see you all here tonight. Man, what a great looking group. Um, maybe I should say a great number of people here tonight. I don't know about good looking, but no, I'm just kidding around. It's good to see you all tonight. You are a good looking group of people. I'm glad you're here. Didn't you enjoy the snow today? Wasn't that beautiful? Seeing all the snow come down, cover the ground. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I know some that were happy. Jody, where's Jody at? She loves the snow. Did you like the snow today? Yeah, she loves snow. Where's flip-flops in the snow? I don't understand it, but anyway. Praise the Lord for the beautiful weather, I guess. <laughs> Good to see you tonight. I want to, I want to go back and um, continue. Last week we began looking at the cost of getting ahead of God. And I want to, to, to review what we looked at last week, and then I want us to pick up where we left off. But before we do that, would you join me as we have a word of prayer? Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for all you've given to us. Thank you for the privilege to know you. I pray, Lord, you'd bless our time together as we open your word. Lord, I pray that we would learn from the example that we see. And Lord, there's so many wonderful things we can learn from, from Abram. And uh, Lord, and yet tonight as we look at this, we see some negatives. Lord, we know he was human. And we know he's not perfect. And there's things we can learn from his life and from Sarai. Lord, I pray that you would help us tonight to be able to apply these truths to our life. Lord, I pray we'd trust in you. Lord, I pray that we would um, have the faith to believe that you are in control. And we wait on your perfect timing. 
Lord, speak to our hearts tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 16, we'll read it in just a moment, but just to review, last week I was, we really we began by talking about the fact that because of one man and one woman who couldn't wait on the Lord, major problems happened. I'm not sure what just happened with my mic, but it just all of a sudden went really hot there. And Eric didn't do anything. He's back there going, I didn't do a thing. One man and one woman making a decision and not waiting on God had a, had a, 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 a tremendous negative impact on the world in which we even live in today. We're still feeling it today. There are nearly two billion Muslims in the world today and it's as a result of what they believe and their denial of who God really is and their denial of who Jesus Christ really is. They're not trusting in Christ their Savior. They, they are trusting in a, a dead religion that's trusting in a man that's, that's uh, a Muhammad, a man that is now dead, that, that uh, is, is from all uh, we understand as far as what his beliefs were, we, we have to come to the conclusion that this man is dead and he's not in heaven, he's in hell. And there's people that are following after this religion and, and, and we see such a, a drastic impact because of one man and one woman that would not wait on God. We see how that we see God's people. You guys okay over here? <laughs> That's okay, Ron, man. I understand. That's really good. Maybe I should have him read the scripture for me. That's pretty good. I like those cell phones when you push a button and it reads the scripture for you. It's good when you're in the car. It's all right. No problem. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one that happens to. You know what I'm talking about, Ron. You know, that, that, those kind of things do happen to us. But one man and one woman, we see here a situation now. God's chosen people... Israel has such enemies now. There's been such warring and fighting and, and going on I mean, for thousands of years now because of a decision that one man and one woman made and not waiting on God. And of course, we, we see in, in our life, there are times if we're not careful that we can rush ahead and do something without waiting on God. Last week I gave several examples of that. Perhaps, you know, a person is, is getting a little up in age and they're not married yet. And they're saying, God, when are you going to give me this person? And, and then they decide, well, you know what? God hasn't done it yet, so I'm going to try to help God out a little bit. And they start reaching out into areas where God would never have them reach out as far as trying to find that mate. Or how about, how about the dad that's looking at perhaps moving the family to another part of the country because there's a, a better job and a better situation, yet he never prays about it. He never asks God what God's will is. He never makes sure that place has a good Bible uh, preaching, uh, I mean, a, a good church that he can raise his family. And instead, he, he says, you know what, this is a good job. I can go there and make more money. I've seen that happen again and again and again. If we're not careful, we can find ourselves doing that in a lot of different areas of our life. And last week we talked about how that we have to be very careful in decisions that we make. And so tonight I want us to continue as we look at this, talk, talking about the cost of getting ahead of God. We have to be very careful in the decisions that we make because the decisions we make don't only affect our life, but they, they impact those that are around us, those that we love, the family that we love, our children that we love. And so let's look at this. I want to look at verses 1 um, in chapter 16 once again. Go ahead and follow along there if you would. Notice it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had in handmaid an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing, I pray thee to go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was displeased in her eyes. And Sarai said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee, I have given my maid into thy bosom, and when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes." The Lord judge between me and thee. But Abram said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. And so here we see, I mean, there's decisions that are being made here. There's choices to be made. Sometimes making decisions are difficult. There's no doubt about that. In a perfect world, it's easy to make decisions. Guess what? We don't live in a perfect world. 
When it comes time to make decisions, there's so many parameters that are involved. There's so many th influences that are around us, and there's so many difficulties that are around. And I can tell you this, that, that uh, you know, there, Abram and Sarai, they're not living in a perfect world either. And they're living in a world, though, where God had given some direction, and God had given a, a foreshadowing of what was to come, if you remember. We see, um, let, let's go ahead and look at Abraham's struggle. God had given him a foreshadowing. Turn back, if you would, to chapter 15. Look at verse 4. Let's read this again. Here's a foreshadowing. God tells him what's going to happen. God has made a promise to him, but all the details hadn't been hammered out yet. There were some things that he had to wait for. The timing that God had, to, had to, to work through in his life. Look, if you would, verse number 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall be, not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said... Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Here God had made a promise to Abram that he's going to be the father of many nations. God's, he's saying you're going to have all these children. He goes out, look at, the, look at the stars. It's going to be, you can't even number them. That's how great it's going to be. And he made a promise to him. And Abram believed in God. Remember last week I made the point of, it's just amazing to see how Abram believed in the concise word of God. Exactly what God said, he believed in it. God said this is going to happen, he believed in it. Challenge to us in our faith, to believe in the word of God. If we would simply believe in the written word of God, what God has revealed to us, God will then reveal the extended will in our life. And so for us as Christians, we can learn from this. Here he is, he's believing God. Now if God told you, at the age that he was at, that he is going to, that you're going to have a child, and you're past the age of childbearing, it took a lot of faith to believe in God. And he believed God. And the Bible says, what, what was accounted unto him as a result of him believing in God? What was accounted unto him? Do you see it? Righteousness. Exactly right. Righteousness. By the way, we're all saved the exact same way. Abraham got saved the exact same way that you got saved. If you trusted in Christ your Savior, it's by believing in the Word of God. By believing what God says is true in his word. And, and we know that Abram, he, he was accounted to him for righteousness because he believed in the word of God. And so here we see he believes in God and yet there's something that's wrong. What's wrong? God did not specifically say or explain how they're going to have this baby. Or when they're going to have this baby. In his mind, you can imagine that as the months are passing by, that each month that passed, God, what's, what's going on here? Sarai, she was aware of it as well. And she's like, what's going on? And so finally Sarai, with her eyes on her womb instead of on God, she took the matters into her own hand. She told Abraham, you sleep with my servant Hagar is basically what happened here. Now remember, in those days, we remember that culturally it was okay for that to happen. It was a common practice. I want to ask you the question, talked about this last week. Just because it's culturally acceptable, does it mean it's right in the eyes of God? No, no absolutely not. In that day, it would have been a culturally accepted thing, but God's plan has always been one man and one woman for, throughout all your life, being faithful to one another. We see that in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24. We looked at this last week. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Anything outside of that is not God's plan. It's not God's will. So here's Abraham, though. He falls into what his wife says, go ahead and do this, and now we find the results of rushing. The results of rushing. And, and so here we see what happens as a result of it. There's all of a sudden now Hagar, she's conceived. And how does she see now Sarai? In her eyes, what does she see? What does the Bible say there? How does she see Sarai now? She despises her. I mean, she somehow looks at her as competition. I can imagine in this type of setting that would be a very difficult situation. She has now the baby within her that Sarai could not. Now Sarai, she's looking at Hagar, and she's not happy either. She's upset. There's jealousy that's going on. There's no doubt about that. And so we see the result of the situation. And now she goes to her husband and she complains about the whole situation. You know, it's amazing that, that Sarah had the idea, but now she's angry and she's upset and she doesn't want to take any of the blame. She had come up with this idea. And the sad part is her husband didn't say no. Remember, we talked about this last week. Men, we need to, make, we need to be the spiritual leaders in the home 
and we need to make the right decision, and we need to lead. It doesn't matter what, what, if the person says we want to do it this way, if it's contrary to the word of God, we need to say, no, we're not going to do that, no matter who it is. We need to obey the word of God. And so here we see that Abram, he basically gets down to the fact, instead of taking responsibility, instead of apologizing to his wife for not being the leader he should be, he basically says, do what you want with her, just leave me alone. Men, we got to be careful we don't do that. It's easy to say, you know what, I'm tired of hearing about it, just leave me alone. We need, to do, we need to take a stand for what is right. And if apologies need to be made, we ought to apologize. I didn't say that last week. You know, sometimes, men, we're going to make mistakes. Have you ever apologized to your wife or apologized to your children? It ought to be something that if we do what's wrong, we ought to do what's right by saying, I'm sorry, and then make it right. It's not too late to say you're sorry and say we should not have gone that route and do what's right. And so it's important we understand that. So here she is. She's pregnant. She has no money. She has no food. She has no place to go. Yet she leaves. She goes out into the wilderness. Last week, remember, I talked about the fact that here she is. You can imagine uh, um, a situation of her being in that place, how bad it must have been there with Sarai and, and, and with Abram for her to leave and to put herself into that position expecting a child and not having any type of protection, not having uh, the food to be able to eat. And she finds herself now in the wilderness because she, those, what was going on in that home, she, she just left. It was so, so terrible. And so Sarai, we see she didn't care. Abram did not look. He looked away, said, do what you want. Just leave me alone. But there was someone who was watching. There was someone who cared. And we're going to look at that tonight. And I want you to look here, if you would now. And I want us to look at God in a bad situation, or God in this bad situation and how he works. Look at verse number 7 now. We'll pick up where we left off last week. Genesis chapter 16 and verse number 7. Notice what it says. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, Whence comest thou? And whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress, and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, and it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call his name Ishmael. Because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. And he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man. And every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her. Thou God seest me. For she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? Wherefore the well was called Bir Lahai Rai. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Berid. And Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abram called his son's name, which Hagar bare Ishmael. And Abram was fourscore and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. All right, so here we are. Hagar has run away. The angel of the Lord finds her. By the way, that's God speaking to her. God is there, and the angel of the Lord is there with her. And, and they have this conversation. And Hagar, Hagar excuse me, Hagar, Sarah, Sarah's servant, uh, she said, basically, he's asking her, where did you come from and where are you going? Where did you come from and where are you going? Listen, I want you to know that even when you and I mess up, God can work even during those difficult times in our life when we've made a mistake. God is still God. God is still on the throne. God, he can still work even when you've made the wrong choice. You and I, we make mistakes. Many times they have long-lasting consequences, but Listen, that doesn't mean that God doesn't see and God doesn't work. God sees us. God knows exactly where we're at. And God, he will continue to work in our life. God has a plan for our life. God can take negative things even. That doesn't mean that we should desire them. It doesn't mean we shouldn't, we, we should, you know, desire to do wrong against God. It doesn't mean we should desire to, to step ahead of God and get ahead of God's will. But God is still working in our life. God is a God of second chances. Listen, there are those who say the Lord didn't treat Hagar fairly. It's interesting. You see this. Put yourself in Hagar's situation. We'll make a transition. I want you to think about this. Here's Hagar. What has she done wrong thus far? Okay, so she's a servant. It was culturally acceptable for her to be, to, to be with Abram. Um, she wasn't in charge of herself. 
I, I, I still think that she, obviously, in her mind, she came from Egypt. It would, wouldn't have been something that she would have even had an understanding of it being wrong to do what she did. She, okay, so she did have a wrong attitude towards Sarai, we'll say that, no doubt about that. But to be treated the way she, did, she was treated, and then to go and do what she did, you think about how that she is here is in this situation, in such a difficult situation. And, and, you know, I think about her, and I think, man, that's a, that's a hard place to be. And some would say, well, obviously God did not care about her because God let her get in that situation. God allowed for her to, to be um, put through all that difficulty and then, and then to, to push her out away from Abram. Now listen, God did not do any of those things. God did not put her in that position. It was because of choices that people made. But we do see here, though, when God does interact with her, there's some amazing things that take place here. I want to take a few moments and look at it because I think it's so interesting. And I, for me, it's encouraging because, you know, there's times in our life when we find ourselves in very difficult situations. Sometimes we find ourselves in a place because somebody else made a decision that was wrong. Sometimes we find ourselves in a place because we made a decision that's wrong. And the devil wants us to believe that God doesn't care now. God wants you to be punished. God wants you to just stay where you're at. God doesn't want you coming back. God doesn't want to bless you. That is not true. I want you to see here just an amazing how God actually worked in Hagar's life. The first thing, I, I believe the reason why people are mistaken in believing that God did not uh, treat her fairly was, number one, because the Lord calls her by name. The Lord calls her by name commentaries, they, they say that this is the only known instance of all ancient Near Eastern literature where a deity addresses a woman by name or where God would call a woman by name. No other, no other place do we see that written where, where God would call a woman by name. If you look through the Old Testament, you'll find that, that not Eve, not Deborah, not Sarah, just Hagar hears her name in a personal address from God. That's an amazing fact right there. The fact that he calls her by name. Now, the, the angel of the Lord, we know that it's a picture of the, that God was right there. God was speaking to her. God calls her by name. I want to just stop for just a moment. Aren't you thankful tonight as a child of God to know that God knows you by name? God knows who you are. And God knows what you're going through right now. God knows the difficulty that you're facing. God knows the, the hardship that you're going through. God knows what you're going through as far as the blessings and as far as the storms that you might be going through. God knows you by, if you're a child of God and you're in a place where you shouldn't be, God still knows you by name and God loves you. God, he, he, he'll, he'll speak to your heart if you let him. And here we see the Lord is speaking to her and he, he, he calls her by name. Secondly, God wants to have a conversation with her. God wants to talk to her. Not only does he speak her name, but he wants to engage in a conversation. Where are you coming from? Where are you going? Here, this Egyptian servant girl, she's getting the same kind of one-to-one -one attention that Abram has gotten. You think about that for a moment. The exact same attention. He's talking to her, wants to know about her. And we wonder, could the God who just made his covenant to form one special nation also care about the, the, this representative from a different nation? God is making a promise to her. You know what's so amazing to me is God already knows what that nation is going to represent. Think about that for a moment. God already knows what, that Ishmael, what he is going to represent, and yet he is talking with Hagar right now. He's making a promise to her. By the way, let me just say this. I see the free will choice throughout the story. I see the free will choice throughout the story. Do you realize that Ishmael did not have to make the decisions that he made, the negative ones that he did, to end up where he did? And the children of Ishmael did not have to choose to do what they did. They made a choice to do wrong. We see that God's grace and mercy in this story so much. We see that God is working, and, and God he is talking to them. And he, you know, he's willing to make a promise about a nation that wasn't his, his chosen people. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of in the New Testament when you see how Peter, how God had to speak to Peter and God called him to go to share the gospel with some Gentiles. Remember how Peter felt about Gentiles and how God had to get a hold of him? God had to change his heart? How that, how that God, look, let's just look at it. Acts chapter 10, verse 34 and 35, it says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. 
But in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Praise the Lord for that, by the way, because I'm not a Jew. I don't know who's a Jew here tonight, probably none of us, but aren't you thankful tonight that God is not a respecter of persons, that God was willing to save my soul? And here is a woman. She is a descendant, that, and, and, and she comes from a line from Egypt, and now in the future she's going to have those that come after her that are going to one day stand against the Lord's people, and yet the Lord calls her by name. The Lord has a conversation with her. I'd say God is a merciful God. I'd say God is a fair God. There's no doubt about that. And we see here also that Hagar gets to give God a name. It's interesting. We have it interpreted in the English here. But we see that the, in, the, in the, the Hebrew, she actually gives him a name. And we see the descriptive of it. But the, the actual name that, he, that she gives him is Elroy. Elroy. E-L-R-O-I. It means thou God seest me. She gives him a name. And, you know, you think about this. He, she, her response is God is talking to her. And God, how he speaks to her and knows her by name. She's stunned that God would even notice her. Remember, she comes from, I mean, Egypt. The gods that she would have served and worshipped there in Egypt, they never would have noticed a slave girl. They would have had to be in the higher echelon. You'd have had to have all kinds of money. You'd have had to give all kinds of things. And you'd have had to rise up the ladder of priests, the, the priestly ladder, to be able to, to talk to the gods. And so Hagar, she reacts in a way utterly unique in Scripture. By the way, when she gives God this name, she's the only one in, in the, the Hebrew text, the only one in, in, that we see that actually gives a name of God. She's the only one. El Roy, thou God seest me. And so it's an amazing thing that we see here. It's such an interesting story. I would encourage you, listen, when you're reading through the Word of God, just don't read through and pass through things. Dig into it. Study it. Find a little bit deeper. God has some just amazing things. We see here, thou God seest me. You know what? God sees us where we're at right now. We oftentimes, we think about, you know what? i got to be careful that I don't do this because God's watching me. Kids, have you ever had your mom and dad say, remember, God's watching you or something like that? Anybody? Anybody ever said that? Yeah, ever heard that? I've heard that. I've heard that growing up, you think to yourself, you know what, as a teenager, when you're getting ready to do something you know you're not supposed to do, you start thinking, oh boy, God's watching me. Huh. It's not always a negative context, folks. The fact that God's watching us is an amazing thing. God sees where you're at right now. God knows what you're going through. God saw you today at work. Now, for some, you're like, oh boy. God saw you on your way to, to church tonight driving. God's watching. God knows where you're at. God knows the situation you're going through, young person. The challenges that you're facing at school, perhaps. God is there with you. God sees you. God is watching after you. Here we see that God sees her. Thou, God, seest me. And this naming, it only underscores what we've been uh, seeing clear through this entire passage. The story is all about vision. It really is. It's about eyes, about vision. A wrong vision that prompts the mess. A wrong vision. You remember how Abram and Sarai, they had the wrong vision and it causes this problem. And then we see a God vision that, that enters the mess. And then a new vision that results as a result of it. God speaks to her. God is encouraging here. And she calls God the one who sees me. What an honor to give to a slave girl. What an honor to, to, to be able to be written down. This is the word of God right here. The inspired, preserved word of God that we hold here. And we have this slave girl from Egypt in a difficult situation in the wilderness that's written down. The name that she gives God. What an amazing thing. What an honor to her. Listen, we can make messes when we try to rush God. We can try to get ahead of him, but God can work even in the midst of those messes. You might find yourself in one of those right now. Listen, God is still in control. If you'll get back and listen to what he's saying, if you'll listen to God as he speaks to you, he will speak to you if you let him. He'll, he, he knows you by name. And so here we see Hagar. God speaks to her. She is moved. God sees me. She feels once again like she has a, a plan for her life. God has a purpose for her life. And so Hagar, she returns to Abram's house. She's there. She has Ishmael. Let me read the story. 
Things got a little bit better there for a while, for about 14 years until Isaac is born. And I'm just going to sum up the rest of the story. You can go and read it later. But Isaac is born, and then there's some more turmoil, and she ends up leaving again, but she takes Ishmael with him. And God speaks to her again. You can read that. That's another story for another time. But God is still working in her life. And we see all of this happening, all this difficulty, all this mess as a result of one man and one woman getting ahead of God. That mess continues on till today. You know, when we try to, get to, to try to twist and try to manipulate God uh, into giving us what we want when we want it, He responds in effect and He says, you're not ready for it. God is not going to give us what we want if we're not ready for it. He's not going to give it to us until He says it's time. And you know, there are times when God says, wait, because we have so much more to learn. God, when He does not tell us when to go, we need to wait until He says, Go. When God doesn't tell us exactly what to do, we ought to wait and do what we know we should do according to the Word of God, but don't do anything contrary to that. Don't step outside of the will of God. Don't make that big move until the Lord tells us that it's time to make that move. Just wait. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Trust Him. Don't expect God to explain Himself to you. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy path. You know, I remember times in my life when I didn't want to wait. I'm sure you've been there. I remember thinking to myself, you know, I remember as a kid, I couldn't wait till I got to be a teenager. You all know what I'm talking about. Just couldn't wait till, man, I got to go out in the youth group and do all that cool stuff. And then I got into the youth group. And then I couldn't wait to get into to college because the youth group just wasn't as cool as what I thought it was going to be. Amen. Amen. I mean, it just wasn't as cool. I wanted to get on to college because, man, you know why? A lot of it had to do with I went to a Christian school that most people weren't Christian. And that's the truth. I couldn't wait to get out of there. You know what? I could have spent that time better and being a better example and witness to those that were there. I look back at it now, but I couldn't wait to get out of there. I knew God had called me to preach at 14. I couldn't wait to get to Bible college. And then I got to Bible college, and you know what was next, right? I can't wait to get out of here, man. I can't wait to get where God's calling me. I can't wait to get married. That was a big one. How many of y'all can't wait to get, no, don't raise your hand. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. I couldn't wait. I had to do some waiting. You know, those dreams that you have of that beautiful girl that God is going to give to you that you're going to marry one day. Men, you know what I'm talking about. Those that are married or perhaps looking forward to that. I couldn't wait. I remember, man, having turmoil in my heart. My second year of Bible college, I remember there was a girl that I'd been dating for three years, and God said no to that relationship. God shut that relationship right down. And I remember how broken that I was. Man, I remember how I could not eat. I couldn't think about anything else. Man, I couldn't hardly work. I was just consumed with it. I was trying to tell God what's going to happen and tell God this is the way it should be. I was questioning it. And I remember I was on my way home from Bible college. I was going back. I was going actually headed to work that night. And uh, I lived by where I worked. And I was on my way back there. And I remember pulling over to the side of the road because I was just so consumed and overwhelmed. I was weeping. I was broken. And I said, God, show me something from your word that will speak to my heart. I opened up the word of God. And I opened up right to Psalm 27. And God gave me the exact words that I needed. And the whole chapter spoke to my heart, but I want to just share this one verse. Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Listen, God has a plan for your life. And what God has for you is better than you could ever imagine. I had to wait, and I will tell you this, I'm so thankful that God said no when he did. Because there was a greater yes that was following. I'm so thankful for my wife, Charity. I'm thankful for the family that I have. I'm thankful for the direction that God led in my life. I could have rebelled against that. I could have stayed in that position. I could have thrown out. I, should have, I could have said, no, God, I'm not going to obey your voice. But I'm thankful I made the decision to wait on the Lord and be of good courage. And he did strengthen my heart. I will tell you, after I prayed and read those verses, God gave me a strength. He gave me a peace at that moment. And I can tell you, when the time came, God gave me the greatest gift other than my salvation in this life. I praise the Lord for that. Now listen, I don't know where you're at in your walk right now. I don't know what decisions that you're going through. I know some, but not all. 
I don't know what kind of uh, a challenge of where you're trying to decide what path that you're going on. Yeah, and I, what I would say is this, though. Wait on the Lord. Trust the Lord. Wait on him. I want to very quickly, I want to go through this and just for the next couple of minutes. I want to give you a kind of an acrostic about um, wait. Each letter of the word wait. W, wait a little, uh, excuse me, walk a little slower. Walk a little slower. When you feel you need to rush to hurry along to make something happen, walk a little slower. Take your time. There is no rush. When it comes to waiting on God, wait. Walk a little slower. I believe it was Carrie Timboom. She said this. She said, there are no emergency sessions in heaven. There are no emergency sessions in heaven. Wait on the Lord. Walk a little slower. Work and do what God wants you to do. I'm not talking about stopping work. I'm not stopping doing what God has called you to do. I'm talking about when it, making that decision and God hasn't given you a clear answer, don't rush into it. Don't beat down the door. Walk a little slower. Allow the Lord to work. Give him time to bring peace into your life. God will give you peace. I've had people say, well, how will I know? You will know. You'll have a peace in your heart that God will give you. God will make it very plain and clear to you. Give him time to bring that peace. Walk a little slower. Now, letter A, ask God for wisdom, patience, self-control, clarity. In other words, pray. Pray. Don't make the mistake that Abram did. Don't jump into action without checking with the Lord first. Ask God for wisdom. James 1.5 says, if you, if you lack wisdom, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. Pray. Spend time in prayer. Get on your face before God. Ask God to lead. Don't move forward if you haven't prayed. There are so many times when people, they, they just say, well, this looks like the best choice. I know God wants to bless me. I'm just going to go and do it. Have you prayed about it? Have you prayed? Have you asked people to pray with you about it? You're going to make a major decision in life? I think you ought to include the major people in your life that are godly people to pray with you about it. I really do. I would encourage you to do that. I, I would love to pray with you about major decisions that you're making. Don't just run through a situation. Wait. Walk a little slower. Ask. Let her eye. Imagine the worst case scenario that might happen if you waited. What's the worst thing could happen if you wait? Whatever the decision is. Okay, so I wait. I want to marry that girl, but I'm going to wait because God says no. What's the worst thing that could happen? Remain the rest of my life not married? You see, that's the way our mind thinks, right? Well, if I don't take advantage of this situation, you, you get desperate. Listen, you don't need to be desperate in God's time. When God is in control of your life, there's no desperation involved in that. You don't need to be desperate. God has a plan. Do you believe that God wants, best, wants what's best for your life? Say amen. amen. Then trust God and his timing. And then look at it. What's the worst thing that could happen if I wait? Because God hasn't given me direction to go. If I wait, what's the worst thing that could happen? I just wait. Look at Moses. I mean, he had a lot of waiting. He had to wait on God. God was silent in times in his life. Forty years in the wilderness. Yet God had a perfect will. What, what did Moses do when he tried to get ahead of God's will for his life? He goes out and murders an Egyptian. I don't think anybody here is probably going to murder an Egyptian if you get ahead of God's will for your life. But what I'm saying is you can really mess things up. Wait. What's the worst thing that can happen if you don't move? What can happen if you do move outside of God's will? I've seen that happen too. Letter T of wait. Think of who will be impacted by your decision. Okay, so if I make this decision to do this, who's going to be impacted? If I make this decision to move my family across the country and go to a place that I haven't even checked to see if they have a good church, Who's going to be impacted by it? And I keep saying that, because, and I've seen that so many times. If I take this job that causes me to have to miss church, who's going to be impacted? If I take this job, I mean, or, you know, you could just fill in. If I marry this person that I shouldn't marry, who's going to be impacted? If I marry the wrong person, who's going to be impacted? Not just me, but the person I'm marrying. You love them? Is it God's will? Is it God's will you marry them? If you really love them, you want God's will for their life too. You want what's best for their life. It's going to impact them. How about your children? 
Now, God can still work through things. Even when we mean it for evil, God can mean it for good. God can still work through it. But, but you think about the impact. So many times people, they make the decision and they don't think about what's going to happen. Think about the impact of their decision. Running ahead of God's timing always causes collateral damage. You marry the wrong person, it's going to hurt you and them. You hurry to get ahead of God, it's going to impact you. You know, we've been told that God's disappointments are his appointments. I've heard that many times before. Or God's delays are, are not his denials. Do you believe that tonight? Just because God's delaying, does that mean he's saying no? Not necessarily. We live in a time when people are very restless. Everything is instantaneous. We just want it now. We throw it in the microwave. Mike, listen, there's no such thing as microwave Christianity. There's times in our life when we've got to stop and wait. We have to trust God. We need to stop. Sometimes God gives us time for preparation. Sometimes God, he gives us time. And you know what? When we do that time of preparation, we can meditate, we can pray, we can get closer to God, we can get stronger in our relationship with God. We can get better equipped to do what God wants us to do when that time comes, when he says to walk through that door. We need to be very careful that we, we don't get caught up in the whole concept that we have to do it now. No, there's times when what we have to do right now is stop, get on our knees, and pray, and ask God. Stop in that direction, and perhaps just wait. You know, I'm here right now. I'm where God wants me right now. I'm in the Word of God. Be obedient to the written will of God. And God, He'll trust you then with the extended will for your life. Do what you know is right right now according to what is written. Just like we said with Abram, how that he believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Believe God at his word and do what you're supposed to do right now. Trust in the Lord right now. Listen, you're a single person and you're, you're, you're in this church. Trust the Lord right now. Get involved in serving God here. Get involved and invest in your life right now. Live today as though it's the last day you'll be here on this planet Earth. That's the way, that's the way we wait. We serve God where we're at. I can tell you there was a time in my life, I want to go back to one more example and I'm going to move on. In 2002, Pastor Pelfrey resigned from being senior pastor at Lighthouse Baptist Church. Prior to that, for, for at least six months prior to that, God was working in my heart. I knew that God wanted me to, to be the pastor of a church where I was preaching, be the senior pastor. And I knew that God had called me to that earlier in my life. I knew that God was laying it heavy on my heart. I, I sought counsel, and the people that I asked to pray with me about, you know, they began praying with me. And one of, the, one of those that counseled me says, well, if, you're, if you know it's God leading you, that's the key. They weren't giving me bad advice. If you know it's God leading you, you need to send out and, and, and start reaching out and start, there's churches that are looking for pastors. And I remember getting in, in, on my face before God and praying God did not give me peace about sending out a resume or reaching out to churches that were looking for pastors. I had no idea what was going to happen. Well, come that fall, Pastor Pelfrey resigned. And at that time, I, I, I thought, okay, God was preparing my heart for this moment, and I know he was. There were some things that happened in the church, you know, a transition from, from pastor to pastor. Sometimes there's some challenges that churches go through. And our church went through some of that. Some of you that have been here a long time, you know what happened during that time. And it was difficult. You know, it's hard for a person that is an associate pastor to move up to senior pastor sometimes. There's some challenges that happen with that. I knew in my heart what God wanted. I already felt that, but there was people that still were praying about it. Challenges. And in the interim, I became the interim pastor. And one of the challenges that I was facing was I'm getting bombarded with this negativity of different things and all the challenges of should I be here, shouldn't I be here, is this what God's will is? Well, I know it's God's will, but people weren't seeing it, so what do you do? Hmm. Brother Randy, remember when we went to that preacher's conference? I remember it. Brother Randy invited me to go to a preacher's conference, and we were there for several days, and God began to speak to my heart. Man, he impressed it on my heart. And what God really put on my heart was this, listen. Don't worry about tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I, I got it all taken care of. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you how he impressed on my heart. What God impressed on my heart, I went to the altar and I said, God, 
I give you myself. And if you want me to be the pastor of that church, then I'll be the pastor. But I'm not going to worry about down the road. You put me there right now. I am the pastor of Lighthouse Baptist Church, and I'm going to pastor it until the people vote otherwise. I'm going to be every day faithful. And I remember when I came back, God had given me a peace, and it completely took the weight off of me. I've been carrying this burden. It was completely removed. And I remember getting excited and just preaching and not worrying about what people were saying and who was doing this and who was doing that or what the future held. But each day, each moment, trusting the Lord and God directed. And we saw God work in a great way. God allowed us to see a great and wonderful um, uh, Sunday school contest. We saw more people saved during that contest than any other Sunday school contest that we've ever had since I've been here. We saw souls saved. We saw God move in a great and powerful way. And I remember God putting me through that situation. Now, God was in control, right? It was a hard situation for me, but God, God was allowing it to happen for a purpose. There was so much that I learned through that. And I guess what I'm trying to say to you tonight is this. You might not be exactly where you want to be right now in life. There might be some things that God has given you a foreshadowing of, things that you have aspirations of, callings that God has put in your heart, but yet it's not time yet, perhaps. It's time to be faithful to the Word of God, it's time to be faithful in doing what God has called you to do right now. But perhaps that door hasn't opened for all the rest of your life yet. Be faithful to God right now. You might be here tonight and you might be, have been looking at perhaps God's, you know, maybe God wants me to do this or do that, and yet God has not been clear about that. Don't do it. Maybe I'm going to move. Maybe I'm going to go take this job. Or maybe I'm going to go do this different. Maybe I'm going to marry that person. You haven't even prayed about it? You haven't asked the pastor to pray with you about it? I say don't. Don't get ahead of God's timing. You know what I think? I think there's times when we know that what we're about to do is not God's will. And we willfully choose to do it. Do you think Abram really was fooled by his wife Sarai? I'll be honest with you, I really don't. Nobody pulled the wool over his eyes. He made a decision to do what he knew was not right. I truly believe that. I don't think that he was, I, I don't think Adam, for that matter, was, well, the Bible says he wasn't. He willfully chose to eat of that fruit. Hmm. Go to the Word of God. Get on your knees before God and ask God for his timing. And if God is not saying a resounding yes, don't do it. Don't walk through that door. Don't listen to what other people are saying. Sometimes even godly people will say, well, if it's God's will, go ahead and send out resumes. Well, that's good advice, but make sure it's God's will. And I'm, not even, I'm just talking about a general guideline for what we're doing. Sometimes even godly people will give advice. We've got to be careful that it's really what God wants us to do. Get on your face before God. Psalm 27, 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Let's all stand up if you would, as we have a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much for you knowing us by name. Lord, thank you for having a conversation